This is the Critical Conversations podcast, a KPOV special project developed to feature unique perspectives and the courage it takes to go there, challenge mundane thought, and question the norm. Today, we're going to talk about um, one of our um, most talked about subjects, which is psilocybin. And we have Mandy Miller here today. She's um, from the Happiness Lab, not the podcast Happiness Lab, but she's a licensed therapist who is training to be a psilocybin facilitator. Hi, Mandy. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Adam and Shanti, for having me on the radio with you today. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, I wanted to chat with you about um, sort of, you're a therapist who's who's stepping into this whole new realm of therapy. And um, I would just love a little information about what has inspired you mm. to go into psilocybin? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, first, I, before um, I answer that, I would love to just give a big thank you um, again to you and to KPOV, um, to the training program that I'm in, which is uh, Fluence Training. Um, I'd like to thank my family and friends and, and the people who came before us. Um, this is not a new way of healing or engaging in sacred practice. This has been happening for thousands of years with indigenous folks. And so I want to always give mention to that. Um, what inspired me is I'm a plants over pills kind of person. Mm. Um, and I've been working with people with varying um, levels of severity of mental health impairment for about 20 years. Uh, and I've seen what um, medications that treat certain um, conditions can do. And uh, psilocybin happens to be uh, a substance and a medicine that has very few adverse effects. In Mm. fact, um, the benefits most certainly outweigh the um, whatever, the side effects. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's... That's part of what I'm doing here and why I'm interested in being a facilitator with psilocybin-assisted therapy. Have you had clients that have chosen to do that on their own and notice the positive impact um, uh, within your practice? Have you seen that? Absolutely. Um, people who are either microdosing or um, using it uh, more of a, of a macro dose or on a, on a larger scale of ingestion, um, and definitely am seeing benefits from that. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, there's a, there's a lot of talk and research about, you know, psilocybin and, and the positive incomes and, and, and microdosing, macrodosing. Um, there, there's so much, but on a personal level, what have you noticed? I mean, I guess I'm just asking you directly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you also had a chance to see how psilocybin impacts you on a personal level, which has informed your decision also? So you have obviously the research, you know that, then you've also seen within your own clientele, but then do you also have your own personal experience? Yeah. The ultimate research. <laughs> the right. best research. Right. And it's a, such a great question. Um, and that's part of the discussion in our training and in part of the research is what is the uh, efficacy or what is the impact of facilitators sharing or not sharing with clients and and patients uh, about our own experience. Um, Since we're not in a service center and this isn't an actual session, um, I'm happy to share that 
um, I have seen benefits uh, uh, firsthand. And I believe that any time a person is moving into a healing modality, this is my opinion. I, I think it's important to have firsthand experience, especially with psychedelics, partially because of the places you go and can be taken. Um, and without firsthand knowledge, I think that it can it can only, with firsthand knowledge, I think that can only be helpful in supporting folks. Yeah, I appreciate what you said because I do agree, like no matter what the technique is, what, if you have personal experience, you can really relate to the experience of your client mm-hmm. on such a different level, whether it's like you're an EMDR therapist or, you know, you're, um, you're training an athlete, <laughs> you know, like you have to really understand what's happening. I, I, I believe, mm-hmm. I mean, that's maybe not everybody. So within the program, there's a lot of discussion around this. Um, what, what is the general census in, in the training that they're talking about with this? Well, yeah, and I'll just refer to the research again, which um, has sh- there there hasn't you know it it's um, what we're what we're noticing is that uh, disclosing or not disclosing um, dis- disclosing or not disclosing uh, is um, is it, there's a question about it, but what we're noticing more and more is that. Speaking about one's own experience anecdotally rather than here that than talking about firsthand experience. So just like I wouldn't say to you, well, in my marriage, this right. is what I do. As a therapist, you don't yeah. say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, same kind of thing. It's, yeah. I mean, it's such a new frontier. And I'm, I'm also just like so curious about even the research. Obviously, we have some past research, like our friend Pre has been part of clinical trials from you know decades ago. Um, but where is the research coming from for the program itself? Yeah, so the founders of Fluence Training, um, Elizabeth is the one that I uh, know the best and has been part of my training. Uh, Elizabeth Nielsen, she's a licensed psychologist, and she has been doing trials and supervising trials for about the past 10 years in New York Okay, um, through a couple of universities and, um, yeah, Johns Hopkins, and we'll just, yeah... There, more more can be researched online. All the, the names and terms aren't coming to me in the moment. Okay. Yeah. yeah she's, she's been doing research herself firsthand. Okay. With a specific type of clientele? Yeah. Um, I mean, usually there are way more volunteers than mm. there are spots for. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that people get screened out is primarily folks who have a history or family with severe psychotic disorders um, or people who have heart um, impairment or compromised heart situations because uh, psilocybin use can increase heart rate. So those are the only two kind of screen out factors, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sizes of and the people that are drawn from are adults mm-hmm. and ranging from all ages, uh, you know, over 18. Mm-hmm. Do you have uh, end of life um, patients as well? I I do not um, myself um, at this point, but that is one of the the the, mm-hmm. the cancer um, people who are recovering from cancer or are not recovering have been part of clinical trials. Yeah, mm-hmm. and what is some of the range of of treatments uh, is microdosing one of them or you know how far do you go with kind of taking that letting allowing people to to kind of 
work on some of those treatments themselves, you know, kind of out of the clinic? Yeah, I think people, um, I really encourage people to experiment with whatever they want for whatever reasons they want. And part of um, the great thing about psilocybin becoming more and more in the mainstream and legalized and regulated is around safety. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so people who are taking, doing their own dosing and administration um, can still access preparation and integration meetings with licensed therapists or other people who have been trained and are trauma-informed and things like that. Um, I don't know if that answered the question, but... Mm. No, that's good. Yeah, I uh, I think one of the really fascinating things, and you touched on it right at the beginning, is the such the, the minimal amount of side effects. Mm. I think for me, when I was experimenting with uh, with microdosing uh, for mood stability and for just stretch management, which it really did help, but the the real challenge was finding that sweet spot of yeah. every three days to four days, every three to four weeks. Like this is really interesting kind of pattern, and it's so easy to to just sometimes get just the subtle slightest uh, a bump almost of of something other mm-hmm. that you're you're experiencing where it's just this, this it's a real fine line in dance that's a real tricky thing and i think that's what's so fascinating right now is is the deepest research is figuring out you know people's threshold and yeah. and what um, what everybody's experiencing because i think there's so many factors and that's one of the challenges especially with many other treatments with whether ketamine or even thc i've heard there's mixtures of those colorado's working on some mm-hmm. of those uh but uh, but finding that uh, fine line of what's what's really working for people because there are many factors you know mood to time of the year to the month whatever and Mm -hmm. so uh, i think just exploring that and and defining that is is very noble and so it's really important i think what you're doing and and continuing to help people to understand and discover um because you can there's a lot of self-discovery through it wouldn't you say that's right that discovery is one of the of the hashtags right Mm -hmm. discovery Mm -hmm. along with openness and curiosity for both the practitioner the uh, facilitator and the the patient Mm -hmm. um that's part of what we talk about when we're creating the container um, and the setting. The set and setting is such a, a such a big contributor to the feelings of safety. The um, more um, the softer edges around the outcome of the experience. There we have, of course, everybody knows about the bad trip, which we're calling now challenging experiences. Mm, I like that. Yes. <laughs> that sounds that's, that's more true what it is, really. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. The challenge is reaching the limits of, mm-hmm. of tolerance um, of one's psyche and exploring, yeah, where, where one's limits are is part of what draws me to this work, yeah. Yeah, the fascinating thing uh, I've heard is that threshold because for certain treatments, there's a, there's a dose that sometimes getting into that can break through depending if it's psyche things or just self-discovery things, so. It, yeah, it seems like, too, there's a lot of um, learning around that, like the dosage mm-hmm. part, right? Because everyone has such a different system and can probably metabolize these differently. I mean, I've, I've known people that have done 12 grams. Oh. Yeah, oh. 
<laughs> you know, and then some who do like one or two and they're, the thresholds are just like the range so huge, right? And is it always body mass index? Is it like, what are some of those factors? Well, at the at the moment, the OHA regulate, uh, they're called the OHA Administrative Rules, which is the Oregon Health Authority, who's kind of got this 34-page document about what, what their recommendations are, what the laws are. And um, what we know so far is in that outline is more around dose and time frame of session. Um, now, I haven't read every single, word, every single word of the rules yet, but that is one of the guidelines. And of course, recreationally, people may say, how much is too much? Give me that much. However, that's not where mm-hmm. I would start ever. Um, I th- always think start small uh, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so um, there will be discussion, uh, yeah, about experience, um, age, what's happening in a person's life, whether it's a full moon or not, right? The other mm-hmm. factors, environmental factors you were talking about. So at the moment, there is no, pre- as far as I know, not a prescribed, this is how much mm. you weigh, this is how much you take. Mm. It's more of a, it's no, more nuanced. How much longer do you have left of the program? Well, we just had our midterms for the first part um, this last week. And so it's, it's 120 hours of training um, total, which is going to turn out to be about seven or eight months. Mm. So we started in December with a four-day in-person, trauma-informed, harm reduction um, intensive and now from now until july will be we have meetings an hour and a half a week on zoom and we then we of course have study and and practice in between do you get a practicum yes practicum is going to be in may um located in hood river and depending on how things shake down with service centers which is the right the licensed place where psilocybin can be administered? Um, and can I say, is there only like one or two counties in Oregon that has approved it, and and Deschutes is one of them? Is that right? I, the number seven sticks out in okay. my mind, and I can't okay. remember if seven counties said no or seven counties mm-hmm. said yes. But yes, it is by I, county. And Deschutes County almost said no, right? It was it was, it was on was the ballot, real, but we voted yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, there's there's some some people who are involved with fluence training. Um, Stephanie Bars being one of those mm. people, um, who is also on the psilocybin board, and mm. she's been working tire- as have all the folks who are on the psilocybin board been working tirelessly to get this uh, possible. Mm-hmm. So you will start practicum, and, and is it just um, volunteers that come into the clinic that you'll be working with? Is well, the at way. the moment, what we're being, what the conversation looks like is that it's going to be the uh, us. Oh, there's twelve of us in each yeah. cohort, and there's going to be two or three cohorts at mm. the practicum, and so it's going to be using um, probably something like holotropic breath work or mm. something else that can induce similar um, altered states of consciousness, mm. non ordinary states of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, to do the practicum work. Mm-hmm. And so when you're done with the practicum, what is it, what's the next step? What happens for yeah. you specifically? Yeah, um, I imagine there are going to be uh, a lot of opportunities for connecting with service centers. Again, those mm-hmm. are the licensed sites where folks mm-hmm. can go and um, f- connect with a therapist and uh, a facilitator um, and then do the work that way. So I will be connecting with service centers in Bend and Portland, um, which is the two places that I primarily reside. And um, start supporting folks uh really yeah really looking forward to 
to doing that. I'm really excited to get started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really interesting because what I've known, I don't know, obviously everybody, but I know quite a few people in the program and there's such a wide range of backgrounds mm-hmm. of people coming in, into the um, training. And I would assume with your background, you're going to have quite a bigger scope of, of awareness of, mm-hmm. you know, things happening and and it'll be so interesting as a therapist um in that role and and sort of what comes up for you and what you learn and and how it you know informs your practice absolutely and just to clarify some two parts um of what you had just mentioned one is that the fluence training that i'm in is um primarily for people who are already licensed or very trained mental health practitioners Mm -hmm. so not every program in oregon has that um, mm-hmm. criteria. So um, I'm with nurse practitioners and social workers and psychologists and psychiatrists in my training. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else was I going to say? Well, it's, yeah. So people who are coming through fluence training have already um, been working in the mental health field, which I think is a fantastic advantage. Yeah. Yeah. It's a paradigm buster. <laughs> yeah, well, what I was, I'm curious, where do you see this going? Because this is still very new, obviously on a national stage, but even for Oregon, I mean, it's we're one of the original, if not the original, the original, uh, the original state, which is groundbreaking and is, is, is super cool in itself. Uh, but where would you like to see it, or where do you think it's going? Yeah, I think it's going in great directions. Colorado's next. In fact, uh, this year, Colorado's. If it hasn't already happened, I apologize. I've been pretty you know, taken with what's happening here. Colorado, California, Vermont, or Connecticut, I one of those two eastern mm-hmm. um north northeastern places, um, are unfolding the same kind of thing. And so where I see it going, um primarily because of the benefits of the way this work um benefits people who have been exposed to extreme trauma. And what we're talking about is veterans mm-hmm. and how to serve uh, that population. And so um, I think that we're going to see, ho- hopefully, we're going to see a lot of fantastic outcomes. And then people, other states will start to join. Um, the work that can be done in one psilocybin session that's six to eight hours long, anecdotally, has been said to be as beneficial as 10 years of therapy. Mm-hmm. That, of course, is you know one of the selling points that people talk about. Not always true, but that, I think, will be seen more and more and will yeah, get other states to want to jump on, on board. Oh, I love that idea. I mean, therapy is needed. That's powerful. You know, and there's also other things that we can start integrating that can really add to the therapeutic healing process. So. It's nice to hear that it's the the trauma, which is really still not understood fully. And mm-hmm. I think that's such an important thing. And in our minds and our brains are still very, very uh, undiscovered, I think, uh, on so many levels. And with psilocybin treatment, I think understanding the trauma in helping PTSD or or veterans uh, is a great gateway to to diving in and hoping to understand other traumas because there are many, I'm sure. That's right. Yeah, and I will just mention also treatment resistant depression. Um, you know, these are things: trauma history, treatment, uh, depression. These are like national 
issues, health, health issues. It's not just something that every, mm-hmm. you know, you hear about sometimes. It's it's to the point where it's um, really needing a lot more attention. And so it's dovetailing nicely with the progression of this, what I'm calling the endemic um, of COVID-19. And uh, yeah, people really need ways to, to feel better. And I think this is one of them. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Um, Mandy, um, so you do you have a practice here in Bend? Because you said you go back and forth and in Portland as well. Yes, I do. And and right now, um, because of my mobility, um, all of my sessions are being held virtually mm. online. Um, and I'm licensed in Oregon and California as a marriage and family therapist. Um, and, and I'm not yet licensed. No, nobody is licensed yet as a psilocybin facilitator. <laughs> that um, was a lot. Of- it was a lot of words, a lot of syllables in a row right there. Um, and so, yes, I, I see folks as a therapist, as a psychotherapist with a somatic uh, influence in uh, California and Oregon. Mm. Maybe um, before we sort of get some of your um, contact information, what about this are you most excited about for you personally and in your field and what you're really wanting to do and help people with? Thank you. Great question. Um, well, again, it's. I think it's, you know, mental health. Um, now I'm going into my second decade in this work and it... Um, the the saturation, vicarious trauma, burnout, all of that is really real. And so um, the psilocybin work is exciting because it, it's going to use a new part of my brain, my system, my spiritual practice. Um, and it's going to be a way to help people who may not want to come to talk therapy, you know, mm-hmm. weekly for a year or half a year um, and so I think it's an expansion of my own learning my own professional development and serving possibly different kinds of folks in the community yeah yeah that's great um, how can we find you do you have a website or do you have I a do. podcast what are your things yeah I have <laughs> an Instagram handle which is at well, it's the happiness lab that's the name of my private practice and and the website is my name, Mandy Miller, and then my license, which is MFT for Marriage Family Therapist. So it's MandyMillerMFT.com. And I would love to answer questions and help people get connected to resources starting right now. And then maybe eventually if we get a center opened here in Bend, maybe you'll be working in Bend a little bit. That's that's a hope. Yes. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well... Yeah. You have uh, anything else? No, I just wanted to thank you for coming on. I think this is such an important field, and and uh, I really appreciate your dedication to to helping, of course, and to bringing it to Ben, which is is really exciting too. Great. Thank Thank you for coming, Mandy. Thank you, Adam and Shanti. Appreciate it. You've been listening to a KPOV Critical Conversation. To hear more engaging interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash criticalconversations.